Big Blue Nation, this is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sack. It has been a long minute. Final season kind of got in our way, but once again, I am joined by my co-host, Scott Clark. Scott, how are you doing on this fine afternoon? Are we both back in Chicago now? Yeah, we're, bo- we're both back, sadly. Um, I'm bored out of my mind. Uh, thankfully my internship in Louisville begins at on June 1st so I'm almost I'll be back there soon but uh yeah I mean it it's been a while since we've talked I feel like what was our last episode the uh, Antonio Reeves one I think so and so um (laughs) that being our last episode we really got a chance to explain this but uh we recorded the Antonio Reeves one because we got word that he was going to commit on I think it was like a Saturday so we just like drop what we're doing, like, oh, it's coming later today. Let's do it. So we record this episode on Saturday. We have it in the drafts. I'm ready to submit it. So as soon as he commits, we can have a podcast ready rather than having him commit, then getting ready, recording the 30-minute podcast, editing it, all of that. That way the content is ready for y'all to listen to it as soon as he commits. So then Saturday goes by, there's no commitment. Sunday goes by, there's no commitment. Monday, there's a top five list, and then rumors that now he's going to Oregon. And I'm like, did we just jinx this? Did we just have a sack, a sack jinx on like who was supposed to be a Kentucky lock? And gratefully, it got resolved. He committed like on a Wednesday or something, and I like had a sigh of relief and be like, okay, cool. We just didn't jinx an Antonio Reeves commitment, but uh, but yeah, it's it's glad to be back. Did you enjoy our one day of spring like a f- few days ago? It went from like 40 degrees and windy in Chicago and now it's like 90 and humid. Yeah, it's disgusting. Like I I wonder I wonder what it's like in Kentucky right now, but I went outside. I just got back from going shoe shopping for my mom and I like stepped outside my garage and there was just like a furnace just hit me in the face. Like it was terrible. Um it's that Chicago weather though. So I'm glad to be getting out of that pretty soon. My allergies are shit. The trees are blooming here in Kentucky. At least, at least in Kentucky, I already got through that because all the trees are bloomed and everything. But here, they're just now starting to like bloom. So I don't know, I'm I'm not having a good time. Yeah, I feel you. Shout out, uh, Big Blue Drew. Um, says the best season in the year is spring, and that just is so wrong. It's just rain. It's just humidity. It's either too cold or too hot. The allergies suck. I, I get it's March Madness, but honestly, if we're not going to Final Fours every year, then spring can suck it. It's an awful, awful season. But getting into some important stuff, basketball, a lot has happened over like this past week and a half, two weeks that we haven't been here for. Um, not, nothing crazy, but a lot of like important stuff, not just like roster stuff, just organizationally. We had a pair of coaching staff changes or not necessarily changes a, a pair of coaching staff departures um we'll start with our strength and conditioning coach rob harris um this is one i'm not i'm not really surprised by i mean um he had the altercation on the bench against tennessee like you're in a rival game and you're it's you know it's going to be a close game and wound up getting blown open but i mean you can't be like 
the eighth most important coach on the staff and picking up a technical with another player. You, you just can't do that. It's too important of a game. Um, I look back the past two seasons. I mean, Keon Brooks missed all of conference play um, uh, last season or the, I guess the season before. And then as soon as he comes back, Terrence Clark misses all the non-conference season. So we had two key starters who aggregately missed the whole season. We go to this year, CJ Frederick, he, he'd be a key ro- rotation piece. He missed the entire season for a soft tissue injury. You look at Ty Ty, Ty, Ty Washington, he had multiple injuries. Jacob Toppin, he had multiple injuries. I mean, Cyber Wheeler, he just kind of ran into Afton Reed too hard. So that's not really on the, the strength and conditioning coach. I mean, there's been so many injuries, so much off the court stuff. I am not in the least bit surprised. I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing maybe who the replacement could be because I think that is an area of upgrade. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I wasn't upset with – like, he's a funny guy, but, like, he kind of started to sour on me during that Tennessee game, and people are like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Like, yeah, Rob, like, fuck, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, hell yeah. And I'm like, this is, like, the worst thing that could have happened. Like, it was a tight game. You're in a hostile environment and you're giving, you know, the crowd something to you're making Tennessee angry. That's the last thing you want. Um, but on top of that, like with his, like, with the amount of injuries that we have um, that we've had a lot of it, like we're like joint things like uh, CJ's what CJ Fredericks was like a, a muscle tear or something like that. Uh, Ty Ty and his, his ligaments, um, just things that aren't like outside of severe things that are like, uh, preventable and I mean I wasn't in the weight room but I it looked like they did a lot of like lifting and like basketball players like you don't have to treat them you don't have to train them like football players just you know everything it should be more about mobility and things like that uh, so I wasn't really upset with with Rob going and um, I, I hope the next guy that does come in kind of focuses more on like uh, you know longevity and durability not to say that Rob didn't do that but a guy that's really all in on that because injuries have derailed us for, I'm not going to really count two years ago with like Devin Askew and then, cause like that team just, I don't think was that good. And there's uh, a whole litany of factors with like COVID and everything, but especially last year um, we were, we were derailed by injuries. And I think that could have been prevented uh, by a lot of people, especially with Callan Grady, you know, plantar fasciitis. He was like, he never had that before. And it was like sprung up during the summer, things like that. Like we, I think, I think Cal kind of recognized that too. And I'm sure he was tired of his players getting injured. So I think it's the right choice. And he had that one video off the court um, where he was at like a, was it like a middle school basketball game? And he was like swearing at parents. And it's like, I was, like I said, I wasn't there. So I'm not going to say anything like much about it, but it's like, that's also just never a good look. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm glad you brought up like the type of like strength and conditioning we should be doing. Like, you look at LeBron, and again, LeBron, that's like a unicorn case. He's unarguably one of the two greatest basketball players of all time. I personally have him one. That's a different discussion. Um, You know, ball. But (laughs) you you look at LeBron, when you see him working out, he's had one injury in, what, 19 seasons now? One serious injury? You don't see him picking up 80-pound dumbbells. You don't see him trying to squat 250. You know, you, you see him, like, balancing on like whatever like those big balls are he's like balancing on one leg he's doing uh like different like band exercises he's using light weights because he's working on the joints he's working on the tendons he's working on the ligaments 
And that's why he's in his 19th year of basketball. And he's still one of like, what the most five athletic guys in the league. Oh yeah. I, I mean, again, LeBron's a really weird case to use. Cause not everyone could be LeBron, but I want to see stuff like that. I mean, like I don't need everyone to look like a bodybuilder. I need guys to be able to play 40 games in a season without having multiple injuries a game. And I, again, that, that's what would derail this last year. And I'm not going to single handedly place that on Rob Harris, but I mean, when we're looking at consecutive years now, multiple like soft tissue or joint injuries, you kind of got to look at what we're doing to get our guys in shape and see that there is, um, room for improvement so again like strength and conditioning it's it's not gonna make um or break a season depending on like who our coach is but I, i'm glad we are seeing a change there especially you noted the off the court stuff as well and the on the court stuff at the tennessee game moving on the second big coaching staff um departure is jay lucas went to our rivals duke i mean that this kind of i feel like there's two different parties of people um there's the overreact and it's like Kentucky's washed. Jay Lucas is the best recruit, the best assistant coach in the country. He just went to our rivals. We're screwed. We're never going to get a recruit again. And then there's like the other party, which is like, I don't know, just an assistant. Assistant gets replaced all the time. It's a positional upgrade, pay raise, whatever. Um, I think those are the two major parties. And like, I've, I've kind of been back and forth and now I'm kind of falling somewhere in the middle. My personal thing is, you look at how Kentucky handles recruiting. They've been really late on a lot of guys that have wound up going to Duke. You look at Derek Lively. I mean, Derek Lively, his first major offer went to Duke. And I think North Carolina followed them. Then it was Kentucky after Derek Lively, of course, goes to Duke. Trevor Keels, he didn't get a Kentucky offer until about a week and a half before he committed when he was a Duke lock. You look at Kyle Filipowski, he was a Duke lock and a week away from committing, and then Kentucky makes the offer. I just look at Jay Lucas as a guy that wants to be able to say, okay, hey, this is my guy. I want to go out and get him. And John Calipari and Orlando Antigua, they have their system of, all right, let's look at a player. Let's go through all, let's go through our process that we've been doing since 2010. Let's check all these points. Then we'll extend our offer where Duke is like, oh, that's our guy. We want him. Let's go get him. Let's go all in. And because of that, a lot of these guys are going to Duke over the past couple of years. Um, I personally think that's why Jay left. I don't think that the pay raise is something we couldn't have covered. We've seen that it's more of a it's, it's the same position. It's not like he's the lead assistant. I just think that he wants for better or worse um, for Kentucky. I don't really think this is the end of the world for us, but he wants the the bigger responsibility of being able to say, Hey, this is a guy that I want. Let me go get him and not have to go through Calipari and micromanaging the whole recruiting situation. Um, Scott, how do you feel about the whole situation? Do you, do you land in one of those two parties? Do you land somewhere in the middle? Uh, I'm definitely in the, the second party because I know, I think Kentucky, I think, uh, especially with how college basketball is today, I don't think freshmen are as good as what they used to be, unless it's like a, uh, Apollo or Shaden or you know like AAU ball and high school ball has changed so much from like 2015 and shit like that like years prior to that like these a lot of these guys aren't really college I feel like ready or ready to fit into a system um, you see more and more people talk about AAU ball how it's becoming more ISO 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 and these kids come into college and they don't really know how to 
how to play like as a team and have a limited role. And, um, you know, I think, so I think I'm okay with Cal being selective with his guys. I would like to see like, it doesn't hurt to reach out or offer. It's not like you have a number of offers where it's like, you know what I mean? Like if you, I, so I, I do agree with that point. Um, however, uh, I, I think Jay, like you said, he wants to recruit more and Kentucky, I think is more, I know we're always going to try to get really freshman, but our main, our main focus, I feel like now is more towards the portal. Um, I think that's where teams become better and that's where you build more. And I think if Duke wants, I said this on Twitter when it happened, if Duke wants to get six, seven freshmen a year, fucking let them, I don't care because I maybe two out of those seven are going to hit and be like really good and be like what, and you can go to the portal and you can get the same thing. And you, it's a, it's a less risk. Um, the, maybe the reward's not as high, but you just got to get one of those two elite freshmen. And, and, and Cal has done that this year uh, with Kaysen and Chris. And then next year, we, who do we have? We have DJ probably. Uh, I don't know where we stand on that. Um, but I mean, I think we're in the running for DJ um, Dillingham, uh, you know, Reed Shepard's there. Like you just need like two or three, like impactful freshmen and some good older guys that, from the portal and some returnees. And you have a you have a top three roster in college basketball, and Jay does not want to focus on the portal. I don't think that's what he's good with high school kids, like and getting them to school. And good for him. That's not a, I don't think that's an indictment on Kentucky at all. Like it's just a better opportunity for him for his skill set. I've seen people on Twitter being like, "Oh, Jay just looked so miserable at Kentucky." What do you what like? He was like, I know some people like we know one of them. He was like. Oh yeah, just on the sideline, he looked so like he looked like he was having a like not a fun time. And I was like, I'm I'm at the games. Like me and you were at the games. I saw Jay almost all the time, like every game, at least like three, four times a game, up screaming with the clipboard, like doing out defensive assignments, him and Chin. Like, if anything, it was Orlando who was more Orlando more focused on like Oscar and the big man, but Orlando seemed very like chill and everything. Jay was up there. I mean, Jay looked like he loved the kids and he liked being a coach of Kentucky, but if you have the opportunity to go to a job that a fits your skill set a little bit more, maybe get a pay raise and a job promotion. And it's still like one of the most elite programs in the country. I'm fucking taking that nine, 10 times out of 10, not even nine times out of 10. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's anything bad. And I, I know there's been reports where it's like, Oh, bruisers up next or something like that. And if that's what it is. And like, I don't, I don't care. Assistants are assistants. People don't come to play. Jay Lucas doesn't, or Casey Wallace doesn't come to Kentucky to play for Jay Lucas. Uh, Casey Wallace comes to Kentucky to play for John Calipari in Kentucky basketball. So that's that's where I kind of sit with that. Yeah, I mean, you look at like the importance of assistance. I think they're really, really important. I think, especially when you're looking at recruiting two, three years down the line, having a guy like Jay Lucas to build relationships is huge. But you look at what what is everyone saying about Jay Lucas? He's the next guy. He's going to be a head coach in two years. So let's say he's a head coach in two years, whether it be in the NBA or another college basketball team. That means we have two off seasons to worry about. The first off season is this off season and our freshman class is done. It's going to have Cason Walls. It's going to have Chris Livingston. It's going to have a Tiro who we're going to talk about. And it may or may not have Shaden Sharp. Probably not, but it's done. You, there's nothing else Jay Lucas can do. Now you look at the next recruiting class, which if he's a head coach in two years, is going to be his last one. We already have Reed Shepard. I'm not going to say it's a lock because I don't know and I'm not going to put that on the podcast, but I feel like we are 
near certain to get at least one of DJ Wagner and Dillingham. So like you said, we're looking at two to three, maybe four guy classes. So if you already have a point guard, either DJ or Dillingham, and you have a Reed Shepard, you're looking for maybe one, maybe two more guys to add to that class. You're telling me that John Calipari, Chin Coleman, Orlando Antigua, and a fourth assistant, whether it's Bruiser or a different guy, can't find one, maybe two more guys to close out a class. Right. And then look at the returning class and transfer portal. Damn right they absolutely can do that. So, I mean, that's really what you're losing out on Jay Lucas is maybe one more recruit. Yeah, maybe we lose out on Justin Edwards. Maybe we lose out on Ron Holland. But maybe we can pull uh, Modest Buzelis or something else like that or an Aaron Bradshaw, someone like Modest is from Chicago, so maybe Chin can get him. Um, Bradshaw is from New Jersey, so maybe uh, Calipari can get him along with DJ, something like that. So I'm really not sweating it. I think more than anything, it's just a really, really bad look um, that your top assistant thinks that it is an upgrade to go to Duke over Kentucky, but like you've outlined, there's a lot more to it rather than just, oh, Duke is better than Kentucky. You know, there's, it's just kind of the way that they go about things. And maybe you disagree with the way they go about things. Maybe you want to be a guy that go and get five to six freshmen every year still. But like you said, I just think AAU has changed so much, especially look at Duke. John Shire's never been a head coach of a team. And now he's going to try to coach seven 18 year olds all with egos and are all four or five star guys like we've seen how hard that is for cal to do and now he's going to do it as a first time head coach um we'll just, we'll just say good luck and move on um but those are two guys heading out of the program one guy coming in is adu tiro now according to 247 sports is a four-star recruit um currently listed as a combo guard he's six five this is i think for the most part, everyone is saying he's going to be a multi-year prospect. So I don't know if he moves the needle in year one. Um, I'll go more into it after I hear what you say, but I, I'm really happy with this addition. How do you feel, Scott? I'm, I'm happy because I actually do think he can have like a good impact this year. Um, he's someone who I haven't watched much film on him because there's not much film out there of him to watch. <laughs> but he... Um, you know, for, from the Kyle Tucker article, I only read a little bit of it, but, you know, he's huge growth spurt. Like, he was, like, six feet, like, two years ago, and now he's 6'6 six, six with, with guard skills, and he's still growing. And I think, like, he's growing at a very rapid pace. Like, he was unranked a month ago, and now he's, like, 124th, which if I, I if he was graduating next year, I think he could take, like, another 70 spots up. Like, I think that's how high people are on him. Um, but I'm excited because I know the fan base has been wanting people to stay three, four years. Um, but you know, when he committed, people were like, Oh, like, Oh, now we're getting three stars. Like, but whatever, I digress. Anyways, it's just, I think that it's a good thing to have guys that we know like next year, he's going to be there and the year after he's going to be there, um, and watching them grow. Uh, and I think Cal has done Cal and the staff have done a really good job of finding like diamonds in the rough. And then they kind of like explode up. Like, we didn't know who Shaden Sharp was, and Kentucky was, like, the first school to really be, like, on Shaden. And I remember, I was like, this guy's unranked. Who, like, who the fuck is he? And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I, you hear more people talk about him, and it's like, this guy could be, like, a top-ten player. And then he ends up being the best player in the country. Uh, Cal's been I, really I know cool. I know he didn't go here, but remember Nolan Hickman was, like, in the 100s yeah. or the high 60s, and then he commits to Kentucky, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, this guy's a five-star. Cal was right. 
Yeah, and he's he, he was pretty decent at Gonzaga this year. Like, Cal's done a very good job. Like, one thing about him is he has an eye for talent. He knows talent when he sees it. And, I like, Leonard Miller was unranked, and then Leonard Miller kind of shows up on our radar, and people are like, okay, who is this guy? Like, and, and that's, that's, that's what I like to see from – it's so easy to go out and look at, like, the top ten people and just be like, offer, 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 offer. You know what I mean? Like, kind of what Duke's doing. I prefer to find guys that you know that you can invest in that are going to, you know, grow throughout high school. And then once they get to college, they're going to be pretty damn good. Um, and I think Adu, and I know his dad played for Cal at Memphis, but, like, um, people are like, oh, he's just doing him a favor. Like, no, nah, this kid's, like, good. He, he's got – he's got – he's raw. Like, his shot's a little raw, but he's growing. He's gro- I think he could be a big point guard by year two or year three. He's got a lot of potential. Yeah, so here's the Kyle Tucker quote. This is, a, this is the tweet that he put out uh, that linked his article. Um, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic says, Adu Tiro was a five foot seven high school freshman. He was six foot when he began his senior year, which is, what, nine months ago? So he was six foot when he began his senior year. He's almost six six now and still growing. His dad is six nine. Mom's six four. Eighth grade sister, six foot three. He's probably going to end up as a 6'8 guy with point guard skills. I mean, this is a growth spurt that kind of reminds you of like Anthony Davis. Like Anthony Davis was like a point guard in high school and he shot to be 6'10. And now he's like one of the best high school college prospects of like the past decade, you know, of like the 2010s. So um, I've really been like struggling on a player comp just because like he's such a unique guy. Um, I think he's a guy who might have some offensive impact in years two or three is probably going to start off as like a defensive guy. For that reason, I've seen a lot of people say Dominique Hawkins, but I mean, Dominique Hawkins is half a foot shorter. I, I think I finally come on the perfect player comp and I, I want your opinion on this. I think the perfect player comp is Darius Miller. Darius Miller, we know was a four year guy at Kentucky um, started out as a low prospect, worked his way up. He started a couple of years. He was a sixth man a year. He came off the bench, really didn't play much his freshman year, but he was a guard and he was six foot eight. He could play the one through four. I remember, like, if you remember, um, what was it? Uh, the 2012 year, the year we won the national championship, we had a six man rotation. Marcus Teague was at the point. Doran Lamb was at the two. Uh, Kid Gilchrist at the three, Terrence Jones at the four, Anthony Davis at the five, and Darius Miller was the sixth man. So, like, if Marcus Teague were to come out of the game, we only had a six-man rotation. We didn't have a backup point guard. Miller would come in and play the point guard. Like, Doran Lamb would leave the game. He would come in and play the two guard. He would play the four when Terrence Jones went out. When Anthony Davis went out, we moved Jones to the five and put uh, Miller at the four. He played the three for Kid Gilchrist. Like, he played one through four. He defends really well. He can he has good perimeter skills. He has good guard skills despite being six foot eight, maybe six foot nine, and with, with a, a lot of like strength and athleticism too. He's really good at getting to the hoop and he can occasionally knock down a shot down as well. I, that's my vision for a Dutero. I think he's gonna be a two, three, maybe four-year guy who is gonna be a role player, like sixth seventh man maybe like your fifth or fourth starter he's not going to score a lot but he's definitely he could definitely be your fourth or fifth scoring option he's going to give you high level defense he's going to give you guard skills a high motor with a lot of size athleticism strength he can really do it all he's a really good rebounder too so again i haven't seen too much film either but i think that is the perfect player comp for a guy like a dutero 
Yeah, I, I like that. And I think, like, his ceiling, like, where he could be by his senior year is, like, in terms of production and play style, I could see, like, a Shea, Gildas Alexander type build where you have a six 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 seven point guard who can really do it all. And I, from what I've seen from his film, he does have good vision. He makes really good passes. Um, sometimes they look, like, flashy. You could tell that he's got it in his bag. Like, like he sees things that a lot of people don't see typically – and um, I think by year four, once he kind of fills into – once he stops growing, um, you know, he kind of fills into his body and his his skills start to polish. I think we could see, like, a Shea guy. And that would be – that would be cool. That would be – not like the dream right there. Like, to have a guy like him just, A, being able to see over the defense and make plays and score the ball. I think – I think fans, they have to be – they have to be patient with him because I don't want people to – after his freshman year, if he's, you know, not playing, like, you know, he, he's kind of on the bench a lot and he's not doing a lot, or if he's on the court and he's not producing crazy amount, like, fans need to be patient with him because I think what he can what he can do, it, it'll pay off for us in the end. Um, he's going to be really good for us. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you brought up, like, how much of our um, focus has, like, now shifted to, like, the transfer portal and stuff like that. Like, I agree with that because, first of all, like, a Tiro is probably a guy that we would want to get in the transfer portal in, like, two to three years um, or a year or two. But I think one of our other biggest focus is finding guys that have high potential in return from year to year. I mean, we went out and got Damian Collins knowing that he's probably a three-year, maybe a two-year, but probably a three-year guy. We go out and get a Lance Ware knowing he's a four- to five-year guy. We go out and get C.J. Frederick knowing he's going to be a two- to three-year guy. Same thing with Jacob Toppin. Um, same thing with Savir Wheeler. We got lucky with Oscar Shibway. But you look at, like, these returning classes, especially with NIL. When you have NIL and you have d- player developers like Orlando Antigua and John Calipari, you should want high-potential guys that would, with NIL, be willing to stay three to four years? Because I'll take that over, like, a top 20 freshman. You know, you know, you have your can't-miss top 5, 10 guys. But I'll take that over a top 20 freshman. I'll take that over anyone else in the portal, a guy with high potential that's returning from year to year. Those are, those are guys I love to have on my team. I wish we had three to four of them. I wish we filled out our roster, like, with our eight- to nine-man core that's going to probably be our rotation that might cut down to seven. And I wish our last four scholarship spots were filled with four Adutiros and Lance Wares and Jacob Toppins, et cetera, stuff like that. Guys that might not have a huge role, uh, might play some minutes year one, but aren't going to have a huge role, but are going to have a huge role three to four years down the line. I, I love the addition. Um, people want to say, oh, he's only ranked because Cal gave him an offer. It was ranked before Kentucky. Um, he's, he's not that good. Why are we only getting three stars? This is worst case scenario. We use a scholarship spot that wasn't going to be used anyways for a practice player. Best case scenario, like you said, we have a Shea Gildas Alexander, or like I said, we have a Darius Miller who in year three to four is a key player in what could be a final four contender. He could be a really good addition. There is zero harm in doing this. So, I mean, anyone that's against this, I don't, I just don't see it. And yeah, like I said, it's the same people who've been wanting to get three to four year players last year, you know, and you know, when you see them they're, you know what they look like, they're like, Oh, well, you know, I'm so goddamn tired of these fucking four or these five stars. They don't give a shit about playing at Kentucky. They don't, 
And then we get that we get these players, and they're like, Cal's lost it. You know, he he doesn't have his fastball anymore. Duke's better than us now. And it's like, what what do you want to do? What like he we no matter what Kyle does, you won't win with these type of people. But it's like, I don't know. I'm I'm type I'm the type of guy where it's like I want as much talent as I can get, but I also want guys that are gonna stick to the development, which nowadays in high school AAU ball is like you're the chance of finding those guys are so low because everyone wants to get the league so quick, which is good for them. But there are some guys that need to have like a gut check and being like, yeah, I'm not going to the league next year. Like Damian Collins, or he's like, I'm, I'm not ready. Like I want to develop. I don't care how long it takes. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, moving on to the next, I guess we kind of already knew this. At least I've been reporting this on the courtside connect for like, I don't know, since February. Um, Keon Brooks put his name into the draft. I've been saying he's either going to stay there or if he comes back, which I think is very likely because he's probably not going to get drafted. He's either going to probably go G League or he's going to come back and he's probably going to hit the transfer portal. Um, I really don't expect him to come back to Kentucky. That did get confirmed. Um, what What do you personally, I, I, again, this doesn't really affect Kentucky, but I guess we'll just talk about it for the sake of uh, discussing all Kentucky news. Where do you think is the best fit for, fit for him in terms of maybe a transfer portal or just going straight to the NBA? Um, I'd probably, I don't know, like I want him to go to a school that he can be the focal point because I think he can do it. Like I think, and like not like in the SEC because I don't want a revenge game. Um, but I also think like a place like Michigan State. I think Michigan State would covet him. Like I know people are saying like Purdue, but like he's going to be playing next to Zach Eady and he's going to be in the exact like roster fit that he was at Kentucky. And you know, he's not, they're not going to make him like a focal point. Like I feel like at Michigan state, his, he, he would fit in pretty well. He's from the area kind of like Fort Wayne, Indiana is North East Indiana. So it's like, it's pretty close. Um, I also do think like the G league wouldn't be a terrible option. He got invited to the G league combine. Um, so clearly like, NBA guys see something in him because if you get invited to the G League combine, it, combine it's teams that think that like Colin Grady was invited. Um, I know those are the two guys from from Kentucky, but I mean it means that NBA guys see something in you and they want to see a little bit more. So it's not like Keon's just like as soon as he's done with college, he's going to be a state arm State Farm agent for the rest of his life. Like the dude's going to be, you know, he's going to have a career somewhere. Um, so I don't know. I think either the G League or a guy a place like Michigan State, or maybe even something a little bit lower, where he's going to be guaranteed like first, uh, you know, high usage rate and and the first touch and all that shit, like where he can really show his game. And at Kentucky, like if he came back, he we know he's not going to be a top two option. You have Oscar, you got Kaysen, you got uh, Antonio Reeves. So I, I think I think it was smart. I, I know I'm, I've been a huge Keon Brooks defender, uh, a huge Keon Brooks fan, and I always will be, but I don't want it to make it sound like I wanted him back because I didn't, which I know sounds stupid, but it's like I wanted him to go out and explore and, and find the place that suits him best because I don't think it was, it was Kentucky yet after this year. Yeah, I don't think Kentucky is the best place for Keon. I mean, a couple of years – or this past offseason, um, he was probably going to be gone. There were a lot of IU – uh, rumors there are rumors that he might have already put his name in the draft or might have been looking at go pro what got him to come back was the power forward spot being promised you look at the transfer portal we're going after or 
might be going after a guy of the name of Patrick Baldwin if he removes his name. You look at Jacob Toppin, who's coming back. You look at Damian Collins, who's coming back. You look at Chris Livingston coming back. Those are four guys all with way more potential than Keon, or at least just as much potential as Keon. The other thing, one of those might surpass Keon, and then Keon moves down in our rotation. Without that starting spot guaranteed, I just don't see why Keon would have come back. And I also think that's best for Kentucky. I think it's best to let these guys with higher potential levels, higher ceiling, might be able to space the floor a little bit more than a Keon or might be able to defend a little more than a Keon. Um, just give new guys a chance, change it up. I mean, he's been here three years and we haven't won a tournament game. I know partly COVID, partly COVID again, and then injuries. It's not all, I'm not saying it's Keon's fault, but it's, I do want to see a little bit of a change. So I'm, I think this is mutually best for Keon to go somewhere else. Um, I just think when you're Kentucky, Cal wants you to fight for shots and that's just not in Keon's DNA. It seems like he just kind of wants the ball and he wants to shoot it. You know, he doesn't want to attack the rim or fight through contact. It's just not in his DNA and that's fine. So, I mean, if you put him, yeah, like at a, I don't know, like a Purdue and he could be a stretch four and just kind of like sit in the corner and like space and hit threes or mid range shots, not have to worry about being a slasher. You know, you have a center for the good control of paint. You have a point guard that can get at the paint. I could see a big 10 or a mid mate, a high mid major, something like that. Um, or just the G league and they could help work on his three point shot. And he doesn't have to worry about contributing to a college basketball team. We just worry about developing into an NBA player. I mean, we see a guy like Olivier Saar, who is a fraction of the player that Keon Brooks was at Kentucky. He's getting really good run at OKC. So, I mean, I could see Keon Brooks playing pro, whether it be G League or uh, a February type guy that's playing on a team that's trying to tank. I could see it, but um, that that's kind of our roster now. I mean, there's a lot of rumors that we're still looking to add one more, but the way that things stand, we have Savir Wheeler at guard. Uh, he's going to be our primary point guard. The rest of our backcourt is going to be Kaysen Wallace, CJ Frederick, um, Antonio Reeves and Adu Tiro. You look at our forwards. Um, you have Chris Livingston. You have Jacob Toppin. You have Damian Collins. And then at center, you have Oscar Shibwe and Lance Ware. Again, I still think we had one more, whether it be a wing or a stretch four like Pat Baldwin. But let's say we don't. Let's say Sharp doesn't come back. We don't get anyone else in the portal. That's our team. Ten guys as of right now. How are you feeling about our roster? I feel I feel really good, and I think this roster currently is better than what we had last year. Um, you know, I think I was so high on our team last year because I thought like Dante Allen would be actually like decent. Um, instead, he was probably the worst player I've ever seen in a Kentucky uniform last year. And I'm not even just saying that; just say that like I genuinely he was so terrible. Anyways, um, why is I, he talking on Twitter like he's good? Yeah, I don't. I don't know, like, I, I I understand, but, like, shit-talking or challenging the, the team that you couldn't play at, like, you couldn't get run at because you weren't good enough, challenging them to, like, to play you is quite the, the I don't know, the action, the take, I don't know, like, just whatever. I I hope he succeeds at WKU, but, like, don't, don't, don't try to play us because – you're going to be ass. Like, if you thought you were ass in a Kentucky uniform, you're going to be 10 times more ass playing us. Anyways, um, I, I, I do like this roster a lot, though. I think last year, I think Kaysen will be the same as, as 
Ty Ty was because I don't I mean Ty Ty was hurt half the year so it's like you'd sure hope you get that production or more and I think Antonio will will do more things for the offense than Kellen did because Kellen was mostly just a spot-up shooter and um I I just think you know I think our guards are going to be a lot better. I think CJ is going to play the Davion role pretty well. And like Davion wasn't that great last year. I know everyone loves Davion. I love Davion, but Davion, he, he was mid last year. Like he straight up, he was, he was all right. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He was just there and he filled his role at times. And at times he wasn't good, but I think with CJ, like, you know, you're going to get something like Davion. You didn't know what you're going to get from him most days. And I think, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that, but I know CJ, like you're going to get, you're going to get shooting. I would like like a Pat Baldwin or one more just shooter or score, not like a Baylor Shireman, obviously. Like, I mean, that would have been cool, but like, we don't need that type of guy. Like we just need one more role player. That's a guard. I think, because I'm afraid that Cal is going to play Livingston at the three. And I think he will, but I don't know. I think our, our roster, our forwards, we have the national player of the year returning. We have severe, severe Willer returning. Who's in my opinion, top four point guard in the country. I think this roster is really good. I I couldn't agree more. I think this roster, like you said, is already better than last year's. And I think if we add one more piece, um, like another CJ Frederick caliber player, the only thing I'm really worried about is if like CJ Frederick gets injured again. Because I think if this roster is our roster and we make cuts, like you assume, like I listed 10 guys, let's say Lance Ware kind of gets booted out of the rotation as of late. Um, and CJ Frederick, or not CJ Frederick, Adu Tiro. Um, he kind of gets booted out of the rotation because you expect him to be a multi-year guy. That's eight guys. If that's our eight-man rotation rolling into March and everyone's healthy, I love that team. The only thing I'm worried about is can C.J. Frederick play a 40-game season because he has he's done that once in four seasons. He missed his freshman year. He redshirted. His redshirt freshman year, he played most of it. His redshirt sophomore year, he missed a lot of time. And then, of course, last year with Kentucky, he missed the whole season. So can, can we trust him to play throughout the year? I don't know. That's why I want one more. But I don't really think we need anyone that really moves the needle. A Patrick Baldwin would be phenomenal just because he spaces the floor at the four and you could play um, a Chris Livingston at the three or you could turn Antonio Reeves into more of a slasher and not have to worry about him playing like a Kellen Grady type role. Um also, you brought up Baylor Shireman, and I just brought up Kellen Grady type role. Why the hell did he say he didn't want the Kellen Grady role? If I remember correctly, Kellen Grady led our team in minutes per game and probably just minutes total. And he also was begged by the coaching staff, his teammates, and the fan base to shoot every time he touched the ball. Who the hell doesn't want that role to play more minutes than anyone and have to be begged to shoot the ball? Yeah, I don't – that – like, as soon as I read that article, like, that Kyle Tucker tweet, I was like, I don't fucking want him. I, I've i never really been, like – everyone was like, oh, my God, Baylor Shireman, Baylor Shireman. And I think people did that because, like, they saw how many points he averaged and he was the latest guy to hit the portal and people were like, <gasps> you know what I mean? That's okay. But just from watching his film, like, the, the shooting stats translate easily. I don't think his, his, his dribbling, his playmaking – a, he's slow as shit. I'm, I'm out of shape right now. I haven't gone to the gym in a couple weeks. I'm faster than Baylor Shireman. I can, I can, we could go to a football field right now, and my 40 times faster than Baylor Shireman. His handles, 
I don't think translate to SEC ball because SEC ball, you think of athleticism. It's not like Big Ten where it's slowed down and I don't know what you would call ACC ball. Sure, shit, don't know what you'd call Pac-12 ball. But, like, I think the Big East fits well for him. I just don't think he's a, he's a Kentucky player. Unless – and the, the whole thing with Kellen Grady, it's like, dude, Kellen Grady was probably our second or third most important player on our team. And the Kellen Grady role became a thing was be, because Kellen didn't shoot the ball enough. So he was just, like, forever a knockdown shooter. If Kellen Grady was shooting the ball more and more aggressive to start the year, I think we would have saw a lot more attacking the rim from Kellen. Like, I don't know. But, like, it, to, to say that you don't want the role of being – um, a knockdown shooter and one of the best shooters from three and one of the country's best team. Who the fuck do you think you are? Who are, you know what I mean? Like, like the Cullen Grady role is essentially the Tyler hero role. Yeah. Like who's turning on that role. He was a lottery pick. Right. Like, I don't know. I just think in the whole NIL thing, like whatever, get your bag, buddy. But like to hear that, like, I, I'm not shocked that Cal was like, eh. and a lot of programs after talking to Baylor and his agent were like, eh. like, Kansas pulled out. Duke was out. Duke, Duke was out. And, you know, Duke, they'll get anyone. Like, they'll, they love, we like we talked about, they'll take anyone. I mean, the big three were just like, yeah, we're out. So. And Duke needs a two guard, especially. Oh, yeah. Drink Heels is probably saying, like, that, they don't have one on their team. They have a whole um, back, or they have a whole front court ready, and they have Roach returning at the point. They don't really have a two guard, and, and they, I don't even think we're interested at all, which says a lot. But anyways, going to our roster, um, I asked, um, if this is our final roster, what do you think? There were two main things that people said that we needed. People said, we need a go-to score. I don't know if I trust any of these guys to go get a bucket as of late. Um, that was the first one. And we'll address that one and then go to the second one. I just, I think, well, first of all, throw it in the post. Oscar and get you a bucket or he'll pass it out to kick it to someone they'll get a bucket I'm fine playing through the post with Oscar late in the game I have no problem with that but if you want a perimeter option maybe I'm higher than most I trust Cason Wallace to go get a bucket I, we we need to stop calling Cason Wallace a defender because he does way more than defend yes he's probably the best defender in the class at least on the perimeter he's a bucket he can he's probably gonna be the second or third leading scorer on our team behind Oscar and maybe Antonio Reeves. Like, he's a bucket. Antonio Reeves, he scored 20 points a game, but all of it translate. Like, he's been hitting step-back threes and getting in the bucket and finishing in contact, and he had zero help on Illinois State and zero spacing. He scored with volume and with efficiency. That is going to translate. He could be a 14, 15-point-per-game score. I trust him to go get a bucket late. I even trust Chris Livingston to go get a bucket late. And even if you don't want to get a bucket, maybe you just want to run a play. Who do you want in the country to have the ball in the hands more than Saver Wheeler, the leading assist man, power five assist man from back-to-back years. I trust him not to necessarily go get a bucket, but to go make a play drive and kick to an open CJ Frederick or case Wallace for a shot or drive and pass to a cutting Antonio Reeves or a cutting, Chris Livingston or a cutting case in Wallace or throw a lob up to Jacob Toppin or Oscar Sheep, something like that. I trust us to get a bucket late. So I'm not worried about that at all. Um, the second thing, and I think this is by far the most ridiculous thing is people say, we need another big after Oscar Sheeboy, it's getting kind of thin. And I'm like, 
Well, first of all, Oscar Sheboy is going to play 33 minutes a game. So our backups need to cover seven minutes. And then it's like, well, yeah, it's like, but I don't think Lance, where is that good? And Damian Collins is too small. It's like Lance Ware might be a top five backup center in the country. And Damian Collins is a former top 10 prospect who damn well could be a top 10 center in the country if he hits full star in his potential. There's not a better pair of backup centers than Damian Collins and Lance Ware in the country. And the people want to say like, oh, Lance isn't that good. Look at his stats. He doesn't score. It's like he wasn't supposed to. How about Lance Ware was like a trending thing on Twitter for a month because of literally everything else he did to impact the game. Oh, Damian Collins needs to add weight. You don't think he knows that? You don't think he has NBA scouts telling him he needs to put on 15 pounds to go play pro? Do you don't think he wants to put on weight and be an NBA center? Of course he's going to do that. Of course he's going to get better. Of course Lance Ware's going to get better. Every player in the history of Kentucky basketball under John Calipari, with like two or three exceptions, has gotten better from year to year. So I think both of those points are absolutely – I mean, the first one's not as absolutely insane because I think, again, maybe I'm higher on Case Malls and Reeves than most – but the second one is absolutely insane. I just don't understand it. My favorite, my favorite one is like I don't see it a lot, but it's like it takes a special type of stupid to say this when people are like, "Oscar isn't big enough to be a five. Like I've seen that a couple times on Twitter, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you guys talking about?" And I didn't even say you guys. It's like five people, but like I've seen that a little bit, and I'm like. Oh my god! And then you click on their profile, and they can't spell, and it's like, uh, it makes sense. Anyway, but like Oscar, he averaged one point five blocks, one point five steals, seventeen rebounds, like or no, fifteen rebounds. Sorry, he like that's the dumbest take. But like, it, it's almost equally as dumb of a take to say that we don't have enough back. If anything, we have too many backup bigs, like Toppin, Ware, Collins, like. I one of those guys are going to be cut by March and it'll probably be Lance, but like Damian Collins is a top 10 big, or he was a top 10 player in high school, might be a top 10 big by, you know, his junior year. Like these guys have to, you want guys to develop. They're not just going to develop by being on the bench. You know what I mean? Like you can't just park their ass on the bench for the whole year. Like they have to play guys. That's how you develop. And it'll be the same people last year who were like, Oh well, Damian needs to play that, like play more. Who are now saying, "Oh well, I don't know if Damian Collins is enough to, to you know, be a backup." And it's like, you know what, like, what you're saying isn't making sense. I, I, I mean, think- the guy, the guys you listed that have potential to play center, Oscar Sheboy, Lance Ware, Damian Collins, even Jacob Toppin in a pinch, they were all on the team last year, and we didn't have another center. I mean, was there a single minute last year where you were like, oh, shoot, wish we had another center here? No. Was there a single minute? No. Like, I would I would get a little worried when Lance would come in because, like, I'm not high on Lance as many other – like, I think Lance is a great, like, glue guy, and I hope he does surprise me this year. But, like, I think he's there just to talk his shit and get under people's – like, good glue guy. He's a glue guy. Hustle, you know. And he's good for the team. And you can't put a price on that. And that's why he should stay with Kentucky. And that's why I love him and why everyone loves him. But, like, outside of Lance, like, you have a a guy who has practically unlimited potential in Damian Collins, who is just evolving on the bench, slowly getting better, slowly – like, if you look at pictures of him his freshman year, I know he's still a twig. Compared to his high school year, like, that man has put on weight. And he's continuing to do so. He's continuing to eat you know, 5k calories a day. So 
don't know. I think our front court depth is the best in the country. I think, like we said, our back court depth could use one more piece. And if I think we get that piece, I think we have the best roster in the country. Like, yeah. I think it's us in North Carolina. Yeah, and I think North Carolina is going to be frauds. I think they're the new UCLA. Um, I, I've said that from the second Armando Baycott said he was going to return. But I digress. Um, there are three guys. I mean, I'm, I'm really high on a lot of our team. I really like Xavier Wheeler. Um, I think people don't give him the credit that he is for coming back for another year. I think he's going to be way better. I think people overlook what C.J. Frederick could be for this team. Um, there are three guys, really. And, I, I mean, the first one, um, we'll, we'll get in a second. But there are three guys I'm way higher on than I think most people are. The first is Cason Wallace. And I know a lot of people are high on Cason Wallace. He's the top five at the lowest top ten. Well, other than ESPN, who's a bunch of idiots. Um, but a top five freshman. So it's kind of hard to be higher on him than most. I just think I'm higher on his offense than other people. Again, I said earlier in this podcast, we have to stop calling him a defender because he's not just a defender. This dude is a bucket. His offense has progressed so much over the past year. And I think he's going to be close to a, a 38, 39, maybe 40% three-point shooter as well. I think he's going to do great spacing the floor. The second is Antonio Reeves. I think people are expecting him to kind of fill in that Davion Mintz or Kellen Grady role. I think he's going to be better than both. Again, I think this is a guy that could average 15 points per game. I don't remember the last time we had a guy that I could just trust to go get a bucket. Like, I think he might be a... Uh, kind of what we saw, like when Ty Ty was fully healthy, kind of being a combo guard with good size that could play the pick and roll, get to the hoop, is, can shoot 40% from three. That's kind of what I see from Antonio Reeves. I'm, I think way too many people are overstating. Like people are like, oh, we, we need like a Shaden Sharp back or a Patrick Baldwin that could be our go-to wing scorer. I think Reeves can be that guy. And the third one that I'm super high on is Damian Collins. I think people are kind of pencil him in to share that backup center spot. Um, with Lance Ware, which is going to be, like I said, seven, eight minutes a game split. He's going to play way more than four minutes a game. You know, I think he, not that he's going to take minutes away from Oscar, but I think we might see a more balanced rotation, maybe keep Oscar just healthy throughout the year. I could see Oscar only playing 28, 29, maybe 30 minutes, having Damian play 10 minutes at backup center, and then maybe a 10 at the power four, and he's playing 20 minutes a game, um, maybe even more at the four. I, I, I'm just super high on Damian Collins. I think just because he did so little last year, just because we really didn't need him to with Oscar and Keon and Jacob kind of man in our front court. I think Damian is due for a huge breakout season. Is there a specific player, maybe you're higher on than most that people aren't giving enough credit for? I know you've, you're, you're all the way behind Xavier Wheeler. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say severe, but probably Chris Livingston. Um, I think, Chris could be like, <coughs> sorry, allergies. Uh, you know, Chris could be second or third best player on this team this year. I think he's got a, he can handle the ball, which is weird as like a six, seven guy. We don't usually have those at Kentucky quite often. Um, I think his offensive potential, offensive potential is pretty high. I think his defensive potential, his switchability. Um, I think that could be really good too. I think him and Antonio, I'm very high on. And I, I, I do think that Oscar's numbers, because you kind of alluded to, like, Damian take more minutes. I think Oscar's numbers could slightly dip a little bit. Like, I still think he's going to be dominant. It's fucking – it's Oscar Shibwe. But I don't – I wouldn't be surprised if he's averaging, like, you know, 15 and, like, 14 and not, you know, 
19 and 17 like some people are thinking like I, I do think is I think teams are going to figure him out a little bit but I also think he's going to add some more I just think we're going to have guys where it's like all right we have to play Damien and like someone's got to come out you know what I mean like Oscar has to take a break so I don't know I think I think Chris is my guy uh I just I'm high on everyone practice like I really am so there's no Dante Allens on this team where I can shit talk and be like Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't like him. I don't think he's a Kentucky player. And people are like, what, what do you mean he's not? And I was like, I just don't see it. I think every, I think every one of these guys that are playing have a role. Like going into last year, like I was, I was afraid of Dante. I was a little bit afraid of Bryce and it didn't work out. But going into this year, I think like, you know, Lance has a role. Damien for sure has a role. Toppin has a role. CJ Frederick has a role. Like these are all guys that I could see in a Kentucky uniform and like having a concrete role. So I, I think that's what I'm most excited about this year. Do you know the one player whose role I was really, really, really worried about? Sky Clark. He was the one guy as our roster was forming. I'm like, damn, I don't know where he's going to play. Like he's kind of an on-guard point guard, but I mean, he's not going to be the point guard. And usually Cal doesn't have a backup point guard. He usually has a starting point guard, like Xavier Wheeler is going to play 30, 35 minutes a game. And then he has like a combo guard last year. It was tied tie. This year will be case. And then I'll come off the bench and be that. And he's like undersized. He's a bad defender coming off an injury. I'm just kind of like, I don't know where this guy's going to play. And that kind of worked out. So cool. Good for us. Yeah, but he's, he's the next De'Aaron Fox according to Illinois fans. He's the best. He's the best talent in America. So it, oh it's going to be a big loss for us. I don't know how we're going to recover. So. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But yeah, that, that's all I really got to say. Also shout out, uh, Speaking of our roster, shout out Wildcat's tongue and uh, not Chin Coleman because this team has some dogs on them. Like Adu Tiro, that's a dog. Cason Wallace, Chris Livingston, Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, all dogs. We got, we got, this team has got that dog in them. Toppin's, Toppin, he ain't dogging them. There's some Toppin. I, if I'm going to hate on one guy this year, it's going to be Jacob Toppin because y'all motherfuckers eat him up and I don't get it and I never will get it. And I hope he proves me wrong. I want Jacob Toppin to prove me wrong. All right. But he does not have a dog in him. He's he's just he doesn't a doesn't follow enough. He, he makes too many light skin ass TikToks. I just he does, not dog. He's not dog. So Jacob, I think Jacob Toppin for all American. We just changed right. ourselves. I had you with the Damian Collins starting power forward like a couple months ago. I can't I can't do the Jacob Toppin all American one. That that one will. I think I think the leaders in. He got that dog in him, plus, uh, plus minus or whatever the fuck it's called. It's gonna be this year. It's gonna be Oscar Severe, cause like Severe's dog. I mean, any five eight kid that's just like willingly like screaming at you and picking up full court press, like that's dog. That's dog right there. I think, I think him and Oscar, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put one more. It's gonna be oh Lance, duh, the fuck, cause Lance is. I think he was a top ten leader in H G T that d-i-h he was a top 10 he had what top 10 season and he got yeah. that him. so I'm, I'm gonna go a little bit differently i go Cason wallace is our number one dog antonio reeves number two and i'll say you know what give me cj frederick he got that dog ah. in him. he got that dog in him he don't play defense but we'll see oh come on come on we'll see that's a big 10 hating ass take right there he he can lock up but yeah well, um <laughs> Anything uh, else you got before we get out of here? And if not, where can we find you and your work? Uh, not really. Um, I don't know. 
just it's been good to get back on the mic. I know there's not a lot to talk about. I've kind of stayed away from Kentucky basketball Twitter, and it makes me so much happier. So I recommend it to you guys. Take a couple of days off from seeing dumbass takes. It's good not having Kentucky basketball news shoved down my throat by people. Um, Dude, I've been I've been reading. I've been cleaning my room. Oh, I've been yeah. going for walks. It is great. I'm I'm as happy as I've been since our last Final Four. I bought two books yesterday on Amazon. I'm starting to read one today. Like, stay off your phone. Life is a lot more beautiful when you're not on it. It. I don't like. I I I was recently diagnosed with like generalized anxiety disorder. I don't think Kentucky basketball Twitter put me in a tizzy to to where I was like it came to the forefront, but. Staying off Twitter has helped a lot. So I highly recommend it. It, it can do a lot for you. Um, but anyways, you can find my work at, well, I'm not going to be writing shit this summer. So, but if you want to read my old work, go ahead at kycolonel.com. Um, I wrote a piece about the Tennessee Kentucky bat, uh, baseball series. Yeah. Shout out to the baseball cats uh, taking the series against number one, Tennessee, fuck Tennessee. So that was awesome to see, but. You see, I'm trying to stay off Twitter too, but I, I just need to tell first name a lot of numbers that Oscar Sheboy actually is a center and not a power forward. But yeah, you could find me at MattSackBBN on Twitter. You can find my work at CatsCoverage.com. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And as always, go Cats. Go Cats. Just need to clear my mind.